Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Delighted to be spending our day with you. We've got some great stories. We are Computer and Technology Radio. I am Mark Cohen. She is Marsha Collier. And we're going to be talking about uh, some really interesting new program called Chat GPT. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, Amazon Smile charity thing ends. That's kind of sad. And, hey, is no is free Netflix for many people coming to an end? So uh, that's the latest. Marsha, what's new with you? Oh, so much, so much going on, so much tech to test. I got some stuff from Kingston. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got one of the products that was shown on Shark Tank last night. Oh, nice. Great, great product, but... Mm, I'll tell you about it next week, okay? Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's all interesting. And uh, what have you been doing? Uh, not too much. Uh, watch a couple of movies we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. And mo- mostly just working, working out, getting over COVID, which I'm mostly over now. I have a tiny bit of a cough left. So that was good. And I keep talking to people that are getting COVID again. So <laughs> we're going through a little bit of that. But... Otherwise, uh, okay, nothing too exciting. Just, you know, the the most exciting tech news. You had a brief thing on Twitter. Yes, I did. Well, Twitter had another auction. (laughs) Yes, Twitter had another auction, but this was a big deal. The big deal is because you have a debt ready for Twitter coming really soon. Um, It's a lot. He has... $6.5 $6.5 billion that was meant to be sold to leverage loan investors and $6 billion of bridge loans split equally between secured and unsecured tranche. That's so basically, yeah. So his commitment letter uh, details how $13 billion in debt was targeted to build Twitter's balance sheet. And he's got, I don't know how many billions, about $1.5 billion a year. And the uh, in debt to pay interest payments, you know, like we pay on our houses and cars. Yeah, exactly. This is a and little more than most. A little more than those, most, but the first $300 million payment is due by the end of January. <laughs> That's soon. According to Bloomberg, yes. Like 10 days. So uh, it was all over the internet. It was very cool. People were excited to look at it. The thing is, what they did was they didn't publish the prices that everything went for. But I was watching the auction. I don't know if you saw in the article in the street, they quoted my tweet. Um, no. I was taking screenshots. And just, you know, I have screenshots within a couple seconds of things closing. The Twitter bird statue that they had yeah, in the office that. went for The neon Twitter bird light electrical display. Now, I don't know where they had this, whether it was the side of the building or whatever. Yeah, right. That went, what, for $40,000. That's crazy. I mean, that's nice. That's a little bit of the way to what he owes. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. They were selling all kinds of things. They were tech office equipment, whiteboards, coffee machines, designer chairs, stationary bike stations that could charge your phone. Uh, and an iMac, 
Um, the auction included the sale of com- a commercial dehydrator. What what a luxury it must have been to work there. Yeah, commercial and dehydrator, Alama cool. Marzocco Strata semi-automatic espresso machine that retails for $25,000. And that's all, or the, did they say how much that sold for, or they didn't say? No, I was the only one, it seems, in the world who was taking screenshots. Oh, interesting. <laughs> And I took them of the biggest items because, you know, as they were closing, they hid the prices. Wow. So, you know, the furniture was all designer furniture. I mean, they had they had nothing from Ikea in that office. <laughs> <laughs> it was all super, super deluxe. Wow. And they say advertising is down. But Elon had tweeted that he's making deals with sports teams now to broadcast games on Twitter. Okay. So that will be some good income for the company. Yeah, because we don't have enough places that broadcast sports games. There's well, I got to tell outlets. you, I still can't watch the Dodgers. So yeah. I'm, Dodgers all, were a big I'm all done. I'm all done with that. I'm done with this regional cutting out people because they think people are going to be going to the game. Well, I got a surprise for them. The price of sports, I looked at some of the prices at SoFi Stadium. It's insane. I'm not going to sit up at the top for five hundred dollars. Yeah, well, that's the Rams, not the Dodgers. Uh, I understand. That SoFi yeah. Stadium is what I'm referring to. Yeah, right. I mean, concerts and things have just gone out of control in the pricing and in the market we're in. You know, if you can make money with advertisers showing the games to people, you're going to get a lot bigger audience. But hey, nobody asked me. No, I mean, they took, I believe it was five or six years for Spectrum Sports and DirecTV to work out a deal to get the Dodgers on television. So most Dodger fans, of which I'm one, didn't get to see any TV unless they were away games on ESPN or something for almost five years. Now you can, finally. If you have DirecTV, you can get the Dodgers. But it's been pretty crazy. Um, you know, I'm looking at the story about the Twitter bird that went for 40000 yeah. Now, I recognize that it wouldn't be the original one, but I bet you could have bought one and had someone make one for you for less than forty grand. You know, just, you think? You here's think? a picture of it. You think? I mean, it's ten feet, so that's a pretty good size sign. So I don't know that for a fact, but uh, but you uh, see, it, this is the original. This is the one that was at Twitter headquarters. I mean, people like memorabilia. Believe me, I know. I sell this stuff on eBay all the time. Right. The fact that it was somewhere, the fact that it is authentic, that's a big deal. Yeah. And there's this person. Who's this Marsha Collier person who they're talking about? <laughs> yeah, in the well, story? You know, yeah, yeah. I paid attention. and That's, that's, that's impressive. Nice picture that's, of you, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. <laughs> so that, that's our latest story there. This story is, is too bad. I'm sure it has to do with financial reasons and layoffs at the company, but you know, you, you talk about Apple Smile. That was a good program. That was an excellent program. It, it, for those who don't know about Ampos, uh, Amazon Smile, it was a donation program where you could 0.5%, which isn't a lot, of the cost of all eligible products would go to small, ch- it would go to big charities. Yeah, but like, charity of your choice, basically. I had mine going to a Skipper Key rescue, and then I went for all for pets. Mm-hmm. I was donating, have them donated. And since 2013, Amazon had donated $400 million through this program. Yeah, that's fantastic. 
but uh, they are still going to continue charity relationships um, from Amazon, and in my opinion, that's because they're high visibility, and they give, you know, good PR for the company, right? I mean, what can I say? I think helping small nonprofits is very important. And the Amazon yeah. Smile program was one that was great. And sadly, if you look at uh, the, the article, talks about how uh, Amazon's capitalization is nine hundred and seventy-four billion. They had two and a half billion in operating income, and that wasn't a, a record quarter for them. So they didn't really need to cut out a program that generated four hundred million dollars. And by the way, that wasn't in one year. That was since the inception of the program. Since twenty thirteen, yeah, yeah. So that's but- eight, seven, eight, nine years. As a severance package to the yeah. little charities, mm-hmm. um, those charities that participated in the Amazon Smile program will receive a one-time donation from Amazon that will be equivalent to three months' worth of Amazon Smile donations. Okay. I mean, yay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yay. <laughs> they, they've got plenty of money. I mean, they, they, have an, they laid off 18,000 employees uh, or announced that they were going to do that, so... I think that's too bad because it was an excellent program, and uh, you you start to see, you know, charities struggle. When the economy struggles, charities struggle because the first thing you cut back on is giving. You know, you got to pay your bills first. Right. And after you pay your bills, then you do whatever charitable things you want to do. So in this case, it really affects the charities, and it's been a tough one. I got a short thing here, which is very dismaying. Uh, You know, there's been a bunch of breaches I'm not even going to talk to it about it. T-Mobile had a second one. It's just en- enough already with the breaches. But this hit me. It was from Brian Krebs, who has a blog called Krebs on Security. And he goes deep into security issues. Mm. Now, you know that you have a credit report with Experian, right? Yep. All right. Well, guess what? Identity thieves bypassed the security to view Lots of people's credit reports. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, your credit report, I mean, they basically said crooks learned they could trick Experian into giving them access to anyone's credit report just by editing the address displayed in the browser URL bar. Wonderful. Because it was up there in the URL bar at a specific point in Experian's identity verification process. And I do want to warn all, everybody, when you're getting credit reports, there are so many websites who run businesses on this. And if you get it from anyone other than probably LifeLock, although I understand LifeLock was breached too. They all are. But don't spread this around a billion websites. Always check your credit report. Click here. Check your credit. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Because the more times you expose it, the more times you're in danger. Yeah, of course. Very, very difficult. I get notification, you know, everything, every time something changes in my credit, whether it's Experian or, you know, they've given away so many free subscriptions to security companies because of the breaches. Every time a company gets breached, they give you a two-year free, you know, uh, security program. And uh, I get them all the time. Oh, you're, you know, you're. Your credit went up 50 points or down 50 points because you did this or you did that or you just got a new credit card. So you get these notices all the time. 
And it's tough because there's a lot of hacking going on. We used to do our hack of the week, and I think we just got tired of it because there were so many of them. Well, yeah, and the thing is, um, in 2021, Krebs revealed identity thieves were exploiting tax authentication on Experian's PIN retrieval page, which is used to unfreeze credit files. Yeah. I think your best defense, Mark, is just don't fill out those things after a breach. Uh, stick with one company. I use LifeLock. They are not a sponsor. I just yeah, use I LifeLock. Use and they watch out for me. So, yeah. yeah, I don't sign up for and Don't give any more people your information. Right. Um, all right. So the, the, I found this story was fascinating, and I ran across it by... I was playing racquetball with my regular racquetball partner and we were having a, that one of the racquetball courts where I play has a piece of tape that tapes the floor because there's some kind of crack underneath. And it's been that way for two months and we're complaining and they're not doing anything about it. And it really annoyed the hell out of me. So I said, you know, I've tried to call the company. I can't reach them. Uh, They don't respond. And and he said, well, let's send him a letter. And then he brings up this new program, which is called ChatGPT. Have you tried this at all? Yeah, I have, but I want to talk more about it. So since you've used it more than I, let's talk. Well, okay. So basically what he said, we're sitting there literally in between our racquetball games, and he said, and he types in a couple of little things like, we're unhappy about the court being blah, blah, blah. And it comes back with a fully written letter that you then, that I then did, in fact, forward to the gym. So this morning I was just kind of fooling around and I wrote, write a letter to my gym about the lack of cleaning the gym. Instantly it came back and said, I'm writing to express my disappointment in the lack of cleaning and sanitation at the gym, enter the name. As a member of the gym, I've noticed a decline in cleanliness of the equipment and facilities. This gym is not being cleaned and disinfected as frequently as I thought it should be. I understand the COVID-19 pandemic has had uh, challenges to keep the gym clean, but it's important to take the necessary steps and blah, blah, blah. That was out of me just writing in, write a letter to the gym about the lack of cleanliness. And I was fascinated by this. And as we were doing this, there was a woman sitting next to us waiting for her racquetball court. She said, yeah, how do you do that? So it just gives you the ability that if you're not a good letter writer to actually create an email or a letter or something based on just a couple of words that you would type in. And it writes a really phenomenal letter uh, and it does a multiple, you know, a, a, a number of other things that it does. Now, there are concerns about this because they worry about kids in school instead of writing their own reports type, you know, Write me a report on Cleopatra, and it comes in with this long, involved things. So uh, that's one of the concerns that they have. Uh, sometimes it comes up with incorrect or maybe nonsensical ad- answers, but you got to read it to make sure that you got the right thing. Um, but it's—I I thought it was pretty fascinating. What, what experience did you have with it? Well, I haven't really used it for anything because. Actually, the thing I'm interested in using it as, I, you know, I write eBay for dummies. Right. Uh, writing eBay descriptions. <laughs> yeah. Product descriptions. That might be interesting. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to test it out there. Uh, universities are losing the, the losing it 
over the fact that people are using this for their um, papers and things like that. And there was a young man, I'm trying to find it on Twitter, who has come up with a program that will identify something that was generated by ChatGTP. I've also found people are writing resumes and their uh, different things. It's at Benjamin Klieger, K-L-I-E-G-E-R. He's a Stanford student, and he wrote a program called checkforai.com. You can go to that website, and you just upload the file, and it'll give it AI text detection analysis and let you know. And I think this is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Just for fun, just now, I wrote in, describe my iPhone for sale on eBay. So while I did this, it came up with, for sale on eBay is a gently used iPhone XS Max device features a stunning 6.5-inch Super Retina display. And it goes on to talk about the phone itself. Uh, this device includes By the way, as a tip from the author of the book, yep. I would have put my iPhone and then give the number. Right. So it could yes. pull from the actual data that goes with that. Right, model. correct. I don't know what which this this pulled up. It you know didn't I, as you say I didn't say iPhone fourteen. I just said iPhone. So it picked the iPhone XS Max. But had I done that, you're right. It would have brought up exactly the specifications. Uh, and I think it's a pretty fascinating thing. Yeah, so it, I mean, it is fascinating. It is terrifying. But the thing is, they have compared like creative writing to it and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that it's a little more stilted, it's a little more, it isn't something you want to read a book from. People have tried to do a chapter of a book, things like this. You just have to realize it's not perfect. No, and, it's not. And Google, to be honest with you, I mean, did you see Sergey Brin? Yeah, co-founder of Google. And uh, Larry Page. Larry Page are coming back to Google to help fight ChatGPT. I mean, they haven't, you know, Google has more than 20 years of AI projects in the works. Certainly, with a little bit of a push, they're going to come out with a much better one. Yeah, that's interesting. So I mean, they're it's bringing great idea. the founders in. So. Let's see what rolls out here. I'm kind of sitting in the back waiting. I have to say that back when I was in college, there was a musician, Gerald Wilson, I think was his name, very famous jazz musician. I think that's the name, if I remember right. And he um, he taught a class at Cal State Northridge University, where I went to school, where your daughter actually is. And um, I he told us that the grade of the year would be dependent upon the thickness of your report. I mean, he was just this cool guy. And so I actually checked out a book on jazz out of the library and basically copied everything in the book. Oh, jeez. I mean, I, I admit it. I, you know, it was the only class I ever did it with because the only chance I ever had to do that because I was a writer. You know, my whole life I've been a writer so I can write. But, you know, why take time when you can do something like that? So I think that's some of the concerns for college kids that they're going to do that. You know, write me a report on this. Um, and as Marcia said, you have to check it to make sure that there aren't some oddities in the report that would alert somebody to. First of all, you shouldn't do it. Write your own material. 
Right. But, <laughs> you, you know, but as a letter to a gym or as a letter to a complaint to a company, yeah, why not? You know, it'll probably be more eloquent than you can come up on your own. And, I don't know. I can write some really angry letters. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, exactly. that. So uh, anyway, that's a story. Um, the, some news now about uh, big surprise. Apple is collecting more data than you expected them to collect. Guess what? I expected them to collect everything they can get their hands on. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they are in a boost to uh, – they're, they're in a push to boost their profits. So they're increasing their services like subscriptions to Apple Music and iCloud and Apple TV and such. Uh, advertising is growing quickly as a result of that. And so Apple users are starting to see more ads inside some of Apple apps, which is completely annoying, by the way. Um, And Apple has always collected some data, as most businesses do, but apparently it's pushing more into services and advertising and doing more potential data collection. Uh, Yeah, this is is strange. This is strange. Tell me what you think about that. Well, you know, to be frank... We've been dealing with Google for a long time, Um, those of us on Android. We know that they have a ton of our stuff in there. We also know, and they're clear about it, uh, their job is to sell advertising. Right, of course. Their job is they have Google Analytics for websites, which will tell you what the most popular words are, what the most popular things are for you to put on your website. So, But we know what they're doing. We aren't clear what Apple is doing. We right. aren't clear as to where your health data from your phone may be going uh, or your Apple Watch. It isn't clear. Yeah, it's for research. It's for that. But you never know. You really never know where it's going to be going. So I'm a little uncomfortable with that. Yeah, as we are with all of these companies that are releasing our private data. And uh, again, I, as I told you years ago, I kind of just gave up. I mean, if somebody wants to get to my stuff, they're going to get to it. There's nothing, no matter how careful I can be, unless you completely deactivate any electronics that you have connected to the Internet or to any, you know, our our, uh, Echo devices, all of those things. Marcia, you already shut yours down. Uh, But the reality is, no matter how many things we do, they still find us. Yep, Google finds me. A weird thing, I said something to my husband about needing, and I didn't even mention the brand, of leave-in conditioner that I put on my hair. Right. I got an email from the, yeah, from the manufacturer mm-hmm. within 24 hours with a 25% off sale. Yeah, this is insane. On exactly what I wanted. And it was unbelievable. But actually... That was okay, because it was something that I needed. Right. But you right. just have to be careful what you're talking in front of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really is ridiculous. And, you know, Apple is one of the biggest ones in the country. Um, and they hit apparently around, let's see, Apple's advertising research programs to Apple Books and Apple Sports. Um, they have privacy guides for its individual products. And there's about 80 of these privacy outlines you know, trying to tell you what they uh-huh. do and how they do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. You ever try? I mean, I know you have because I have. You ever tried to read those? You know, now in California, you can decline to have your information sold. You ever and try a, and do that on some websites that make man, it absolutely impossible? 
it's being misused like crazy. So, you know, for any of you who think we have it good in California, you have to go through six steps to finally click do not sell my information. And then it'll pop up the minute you click through to another page on the website. And I don't even know if it works. You know, who knows? Whether because yeah. I don't remember which one I said don't sell. Some I'm, I will say, and hopefully they work. I've seen more and more one click. You know, check our privacy policy. You go to you click it. It says do not sell my information. Click and you're done. Theoretically, right. But not enough of them. Are. I don't know. Read our sixty-four know. page privacy notice, and somewhere in the middle of that sixty-four pages, there's probably a link that takes you somewhere, which, is, which takes you somewhere, which, which takes is you somewhere. one more reason to use. A, your incognito window right. in your browser, yep. and B, a VPN, because even in your incognito browser, your ISP will know where you're going. Yeah, but if exactly. you use, and I use ExpressVPN, again, not a sponsor, mm-hmm. but I've been using it for years and very comfortable using it. It doesn't slow anything down. So Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, I had not really thought about this, and I assumed that you could use, uh, can you use an AirTag, an Apple AirTag on an Android phone? Does that work? Or you and only? You need an, you need an iPhone to, to know the story. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what I thought. It's, it's, yeah, it's, but just surprise, uh, Google, somebody found in the code of an update, there's something in Google called Find My Device. You click find your device, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden you'll see a picture of all your registered devices that have been on in the last week or two weeks, whatever, and where they're located. As long as they have power, they will show up on this. So they saw in the new code uh, the, a secret called Grogu is the code name, Grogu. and okay. it is about a Bluetooth tracker. Now realize that a Bluetooth Bluetooth pulls a whole lot less powder power from your device than if you're using GPS. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at using Bluetooth in the Android ecosystem. So it would have tracker emulation options for public developer tools. And they have FastPair. They have a whole bunch of different things that are already delivered, uh, delivered to Android users. Mm-hmm. So technically, if when this comes out, we don't normally talk about if when. Right. Um, you've got a tracking network around the world of three billion active devices. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge. So this would be great for Android people. You know, of course, AirTags have been abused with stalking, spying, blah blah blah. Right. But if you're traveling and you change planes, it's good to have something like this in your luggage. So, bravo, Google. I think this is, I, I will buy one the minute it comes out. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think most people have, as you say, have been satisfied with using the Apple AirTags to find whatever, to find your wallet. You know, you stick one on your wallet, you stick one on. I used to lose everything. I need to stick one on my reading glasses because sometimes I have 37 pairs in front of me and the next day I have none. I don't know where <laughs> they go, but... There's a lot of uses for these air tags. So, and, you know, obviously, the, the biggest being for your uh, your luggage to make sure you keep track of where your uh, yeah, luggage is. Yeah, I think that's actually. that's honestly one of the most important ones that I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, okay, so I just bought a new Logitech webcam. Okay. Because 
just for everybody that's listening, you want a webcam, the best ones are made by Logitech. I even have a conference cam that you can put on a table and have five people showing in the screen. It's amazing. Their technology is great. The microphones are great. They just work. Mm -hmm. And if you go to any list what the best webcams are, it's Logitech. Yeah, they make great stuff. But I just bought a new one. (laughs) Now they have a new one coming out. Of course they do. It's cuter, but frankly, I don't doesn't look to me like it's any better than the one that I have. But they're only 70 bucks. They have USB-C, which is a real plus because uh, the old USB is what the old ones had, and you had to use a little dongle, you know, that goes from C mm-hmm. to B, or you had to use uh, one of those little boxes that plugs into your laptop, which we'll talk about next week. Kingston came out with some great ones. Yeah, they make good stuff. And... Uh, it's good. It's 1920 by 1080 resolution at 30 pr- frames per second. They claim two megapixels. I mean, when you're sitting behind your desk, you, you don't have to worry. I can tell you, um, the including a microphone with noise reduction is great. And I can tell you, like I said, I use them. Their noise reduction is fabulous. Um, I got recently the Logitech... C920S Pro, which is amazing, 60 bucks. I mean, you can't. Yeah, they're, they're very inexpensive. Them. They have digital zoom. Uh, these are great. So, I mean, that's a tribute to Logitech. These new ones are cute. If you want a cute one, <laughs> <laughs> you go get the new Logitech. Uh, and you're, are you now using the, the camera that's hooked up? No, I'm using the crap right now, just so everybody knows, we're on Riverside FM, so Mark can see me. We're not doing videos, because I don't want to put on any makeup. But <laughs> One day we'll do it. We'll do a special yeah, show with one day live we'll you can it. watch us. But it's not very interesting. We're sitting here looking at our stuff. <laughs> um, but um, I, I use the crappy one in my computer. And frankly, every computer that I have, no matter how expensive, not even my Dell fancy computer has a decent webcam. So I have to use a webcam on any computer that I have if I, yeah, if I want to have and For some reason, I'm lucky enough that this, and this Marsha, you've seen, because you can see me, uh, I have an Acer, which I'm a big fan of, and they've been sponsors of the show for a year, and their webcam is actually pretty good. Uh, Mark... You're a little fuzzy, I have to oh, tell seri- you. Well, that's because I was Seriously. drinking last night. No, you, uh. that's the thing. If you could, if you were using a Logitech webcam, right. you'd be in HD. You are yeah. not in HD. So, yeah, you which know. is interesting because I think this is supposed to be an HD camera. Well, but there you knows? go. Or maybe yeah. it's HD isn't good enough. Yeah, maybe, maybe we need 4K or 8K. That's I, what I don't we're want get. anybody to see me that much. Marsha and I are going to get on the air one day when we get our 8K cameras working. No, and not can, not happening. We're, no, we're not huh? burning up our bandwidth. But yeah. uh, how to download videos to watch offline. Yeah, how do you do we're, that? We're almost about to close out here, but I wanted to let everybody know that you can do this. Um, a lot of times, I don't want to be connected to the Internet. So a lot of the streaming services offer ways to download content for offline viewing. Uh, usually you have to be paying for it. As in YouTube, you have to be a premium subscriber. You just click download. It will download it. Simple, easy. Netflix, 
Netflix subscribers can download movies and TV shows using the Netflix app on an Android phone or tablet, iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Amazon Fire tablet, Windows 10 or 11 tablet, or computer. So basically on everything, Chromebooks and yeah. All you have to do is open the Netflix app, select Downloads, and you can look for videos that you can download, you know, that have the rights to be downloaded. Mm-hmm. And you can have up to 100 active downloads on as many devices as your Netflix plan allows. So that's very cool. Yeah. HBO Max offers it. I'm not going to go through the steps on everyone, but Disney Plus, you can also download Hulu videos, Apple TV Plus videos, and Amazon Prime. Believe it or not, you can download them. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Um, if you're traveling, if you don't want to be stuck on a Wi-Fi network or want to pay for the airline when you're flying, uh, right? downloading these things are great. Well, that's why I was a big fan of the iPod. Right. I wanted to download my own music. So then I got really pissed at Apple because I was on a 15-hour flight to Shanghai with a brand-new iPod Touch. Brand new. I had synced it. I had done everything. I get on there. And the music hadn't been downloaded to the device. It wanted to pull it from the cloud. <laughs> yeah, of what course. the hell? The yeah, hell? exactly. I was so angry. Again, let's write a strongly worded letter in chat. <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me go work on that for you right now. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, and it is a good way to do that. Dish Network allows you to do to download programming to their uh, to your device at home, so you can you know you don't have to stream it in any way. So it's nice to have that. No question so, about it. So what's happening by March, the end of March? Well, this is interesting, and, and you can't say they didn't give a warning, because probably, I would say, at least for the last two years, Netflix has been talking about, okay, people, you really need to stop giving your passwords away to other people, because we want to get paid, and you know what? They should get paid. It's really not right to get, to get one Netflix subscription and give it to 12 of your friends, so that they don't get paid for this stuff. And uh, so as the end of free Netflix, at the beginning of March, Netflix will begin rolling out fees to share your account with outside accounts. Now, uh, I, I be- want to add in here, the way they know if it's someone in your household using it, if you're sharing the same IP address, because right. they know where your connection is coming from. Correct. Correct. Easy enough for them to find out. Um, so if you're doing this within the next two months, you will begin charging, they will begin charging accounts for password sharing. It institutes a system that has fees for extra members, sub-accounts. Um, and they've been pretty lax. Like I said, for years they've been pretty lax about it. Uh, they've offered cheaper subscriptions supported by advertising. Um, and they kind of let it go. But now with the world changing and with you know so many sub- streaming and subscription services out there and so many choices to choose from that they're losing revenue to outside companies so you know you got as marsha you talked about how to download you know the companies disney plus and hbo and all the other ones um, so now you're going to find out can't do that anymore if netflix continues to do what they're doing and they've uh, started testing it in chile costa rica and peru uh, the fee roughly works out to one quarter the price of a standard plan, so um, it would cost in the U.S. three fifty to four dollars to add on someone to, uh, to, which allows you to pass along the password, which frankly is not that terrible, because 
I think my Netflix subscription, because I opted for the 4K one, is like 17 or 18 bucks a month. Now, I don't know how they're going to, you know, they're going to charge more for different ones, but it's going to cost you about four bucks a month to give it to your kid. So the question is, how will they enforce it? Um, well, once it's right, they're going to charge money. It's the- real easy. It's the IP address. Simple. End yeah. of discussion. That's exactly. how they'll enforce it. Yeah. But have you been watching anything particular that's great on uh you know, I've days. seen a couple of things. One movie I just want to talk about, which was, um, I think it's you can now streaming because I'm in Screen Actors Guild. They send us screenings for different movies. So I got to watch The Fablemans, which yeah, is, is really streaming. an excellent movie. Um, it's about this, basically, although it doesn't mention Steven Spielberg, it's basically his life as a child growing up to become who he ultimately became. Uh, Michelle Williams is in the story, Paul Dano. And it's a very, very well-made film. Very entertaining. It's about two hours and 20 minutes, so it's fairly long. But I recommend that. If you have not seen that, that's well worth seeing. Um, they're just, they just, there's a video game that came out a number of years ago. It's been a very, very popular video game called The Last of Us. And it was kind of an apocalyptic story of survivors and a girl who had the blood that could save humanity and the world. And for the most part, video game recreations from movies into movies have been god-awful. They just don't translate well into movies. But this one is getting really good reviews. Uh, and it's called The Last of Us. It's available on HBO. I watched the first episode. Uh, Pedro Pascal, which if I remember correctly, is the guy from one of the Mandalorian I think he's in. And very entertaining show, at least for the first episode that I saw. They, they run it weekly. Um, what about you? Well, what you are know, you drop, watching? You know, you saw uh, The Extraordinary Attorney Wu, which you yes. never watched, and you never watched, and you finally watched it. I and finally you loved did. It. Right. You finally beat me into submission, and I loved it. And in the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, the top series slot for foreign series was a- Attorney Wu and another show called Pachinko. Oh, Pachinko I heard something about that. Beat Attorney Wu. Really? As best. So we went over, we took a look at an episode of it. It's really, really good. So if you like foreign films, you can do okay with reading uh, the dubbing below. It's excellent. We've only watched one episode, but it's very engaging. Pachinko. Okay. I assume it's dubbed in English? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I don't know what it's. Wait, you watched the I use closed caption. Oh, I don't use the dubbing. Because I want to hear the words. I want to hear the. Yeah, you chose that. I chose that, yeah, and it was fine. Yeah. I, I when it, I do foreign great. films, I like to hear the the actors acting, and I'll read the words. Because when you have the people who do... I have friends who do the dubbing, and they have told me, yeah, they're not acting. They're basically reading. So okay. you're not getting the full impact of the show of when you're listening to the English version. So right. listen to it in the foreign language, and then... Read, you know, you have to concentrate. You have to read, read the stream, but it's worth it. Definitely worth it. So, Mark. Fortunately for me, I'm fluent in eight or ten different uh, foreign languages. So, yeah. I don't really, you know, I can do that. Uh, Pig Latin, and there's a couple others as well. Mark, it's time to go. Oh, my gosh. Well, have a great week, everybody. Enjoy yourself, and we will see you next weekend. Have a good one. We'll week. see you next week. I'll have that review on The Nutter from Shark Tank. And a couple of other interesting things. We're here for you. Tech radio, computer and technology radio. Please tell your friends. Subscribe. 
We'd love to have you here. Thanks so much. From Mark and me, bye-bye. You've been listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Produced by Brain Food Radio Syndication, global food for thought.